I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong. Where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. Hey, hey, before we jump into today's session, I'd like to take a moment to invite you to become a part of the First Gen Lounge family. I like to say that it's goodness beyond the podcast and where I share with you exclusive offers, resources to navigate life and entrepreneurship and event information. So when this conversation comes to an end, head on over to www.thefirstgenlounge.com forward slash family to join. I've even dropped a link in the show notes to make it easy for you. All right, now let's get into it. So I think this might be the first Halloween episode. Ooh, tripping. All Hallows Eve. If you celebrate, happy Halloween to you. If you don't, sorry about that. <laughs> um, it's just really interesting. You know, traditions come from being a kid. I remember being like spooked out about Halloween like before because I was, I've always been afraid of ghosts and goblins and all of the fun stuff. But yeah. Hey, y'all. Happy Thursday. Really glad that you're here. Like seriously, on All Hallows Eve, I really want to dig into the history and the background of Halloween. I'm, I'm really, I'm, truly, I'm fascinated by, you know, how we as a society come up with holidays and how we decide that we're just going to celebrate and ball out. If you are already getting into the house, I hope that you enjoyed yourself because by the time this hits, like you should have been out already and back inside if you got the kids or whatever else, you know how that goes. So uh, this should be a fun episode because I am hoping to keep it light today. It is just me and other solo. You're like, oh, you solo again. Yeah, solo again. Here's why. I've really been wanting to be more present in this podcast. And, you know, I was thinking about something that another friend of mine said the other day. Shout out to the strategist Jazz listening to her podcast. And she made a really good point to say, I don't want to be so reliant on other people that the show is really about everybody else, though it is absolutely for us. I don't want to fall in the shadows or hide behind interviews for this podcast to be amazing for you all. Um, I do want to be able to show up and be present and give you content that you can appreciate, that you can grow from and all that other fun stuff, right? Right. So before I actually jump into the show and give you the nitty gritty gritty, you know, what we're going to talk about, which if you've looked at the show notes or the episode, you know what the show is about. But I want to say thank you to those of you who've taken the time to rate and review the show. I look every now and then just to be for real, but I saw a few today that just really made my heart smile. And there was one from August 13th. Not that they're all bad because they're definitely not like I feel the love when y'all write and you take the time to write. So thank you to every person who's taken the time to just stop and write and show love on iTunes. But this one, Thirst McGurst, <laughs> and I was like, Thirst McGurst, this is really cool. It's a cool, cool name. The First Gen Lounge is definitely the place to provoke thoughtful conversations to share in your everyday life with friends, family, 
family and whoever. It is a comfortable space, but still pushes you to get your gears rolling up there in the noggin. And when I read that, when I was like, yo, I'm really grateful that that is what you're getting from this. And, you know, I'm grateful that what I'm trying to do is translating, if that's, you know, the good, better, best way to say it as well. So thank you to Thirst McGurst. I saw Callie first, Jen. I saw a big noop and there was another that I saw, but I wanted to share that, you know, again, I'm grateful. So for those of you who ever wonder if I actually go and look at the reviews, I do, I do. So don't get mad because I didn't read your review this time and go back and like bash, bash, bash. Let's let's be nice. Uh, but really, thanks to those of you who, who share and who are having conversations. This is a space for us to not just talk and talk surface, but it is important for us to get deep. Like, let's go there. So... I was thinking about just where we are in the year and what we have going on for the next couple of months because, I mean, the year's closing up. And I thought, how great would it be to go ahead and talk a little bit about productivity? And you're like, well, it's too late. The year's ending. No, 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 no. I'm thinking about 2020. And in thinking about 2020, y'all know I love to give a good shout out. I was talking to a good first-gen fam today, Dempress Gask, and he said something that I was like, yo, give me more. But he was like, you know, 2020 is just like having the vision. So this all this all difference is 2020 is a vision and it's like having perfect vision. So and thinking about what it means to envision 2020 and, and getting ready for the next year, because it is not too soon to start getting yourself together and start thinking about what you want the next year of your life to look like. Because before you know it, December will be here. I was like, let me let me touch a little bit on productivity, a few productivity hacks, if you will. And I have five productivity hacks today that can work for you, be it that you are undergraduate student, a graduate student, a career professional, entrepreneur, wherever you are in your life. This is something that can very well apply. And these are things that I have actually been working on over the years. And, you know, it's nice to sit down and think about things and realize, oh, huh, I guess I do do that. Huh? Yeah, that, that is something that I do. So you already jump into it. I'm sure that you are. Let's do that. So the first productivity hack is to write everything down. Now, memory is memory and memory is great. But if you can write something down, write it down. If you put it in a journal, write it on some white paper, put it on a post-it note. If you put things on your phone, if you do a composition write notebook, whatever it is that you do, write everything down. Writing things down allows you to get out of your head for one, and it allows you to see everything that you have going on. And it also gives you an opportunity to organize yourself a bit. So if I write down, I need to go to the grocery store, I need to go drop off some pants to get him, I need to send an email to somebody to follow up about something, I need to post something for Instagram, or I need to follow up on a contract that I have, writing everything down allows me to know what I have going on, but to also not keep everything in my head. And I noticed that writing everything down allows more space for me to think. And when I say gives me more space to think, that also means I'm not trying to keep up with everything in my head. Now, 
At one point in my life, I could keep up with everything and I wouldn't have to write anything down. But that also is a reflection of how little I had going on. Now, <laughs> like, yeah, I had nothing going on. Like I had stuff going on, but really not so much to where I was thinking like, my gosh, did I do that? Did I do that? And then honestly, with age, what I'm learning is that there are more things to consider. For example, when I was in college, I didn't have to keep up with a bunch of bills. And because of that, I knew I had my phone bill and I had my insurance, but that was that. But when you have, you know, light bill, you have your lease or your mortgage, you have subscriptions to stuff, you know, even with all the automations, you just want to keep up. So again, writing everything down and making sure that you put things in places where you can get to them easily and that you're updating your list um, or your list if you should choose to do multiple lists, but definitely keeping things out of your head. And even like going to the grocery store, I have long been the queen of I'm going to go pick up five things and I walk out with 20, but it's being able to write stuff down that I'm clear about what I'll I need to go down and even charting my path to going to the store and figure out what things I need to get. Writing things down also allows you to really think about what you're doing because being able to look at your list, you might find that stuff that you keep skipping isn't that important. And so if it's not that important and if it's not something that is even urgent, then you can definitely just continue to say, hey, I'm going to just put this somewhere else for another day. So maybe make a a list of non-important things and a list of important things. However you choose to make your list or, you know, how to create it in your phone or use an app. I don't have any apps because I'm old school. I love writing things down. And again, I know when you write stuff down, you're actually more likely to remember them. That's research. So for what it's worth, write it down, put it somewhere, you know, write it, make it plain and like get to it and get to when you get to it, like and write every little thing down. And sometimes I even go back and write things down that I've already done because I like something about crossing stuff off the list being like, yeah, I did that. So I guess a little known fact about Eve, I am a to-do list person. I love to-do lists. So if you ever need me to do something, make sure I write it down (laughs) so that it'll get done. But yeah, that's, that's number one, write everything down. Number two, To be more productive, learn how to eliminate distractions. What does a distraction look like to you? So for me, that is, and y'all probably gonna be like, what are you for real? I typically put my phone on do not disturb from about 10 o'clock p.m until 11 o'clock a.m. And you're like, are you serious? That is a whole 13 hours. I am very serious. Because what I learned is I tend to be more awake, a little bit more in tune and aware and alert and creative over in the night. And because of that, I decided to do more work in the nighttime where I didn't want to be disturbed. And when my husband comes home and though 10 o'clock, you know, it's still like a little early, it's still kind of late. I like to try to spend as much time as I can with him when we're able to spend time, like when he's up a little later as well. So by having my phone on do not disturb, I'm eliminating distractions from even self-care time or even in the morning when I get up and I'm most productive. I don't want a phone call, especially not one that's unexpected, just being for real to distract me from sending out an email or getting through my inbox or working on a project or even doing a recording if that's something that I'm working on. So that has been helpful for me to have that do not disturb feature and to, of course, have my, you know, really close friends and family and my favorites so that 
that they can call at any time. If they're calling nine to the 10, it's something that's important and I need to answer the phone. But other phone calls, again, that I'm not expecting, I don't worry myself with them. But also realizing, again, when I am most productive as a person, either late, late at night or early, early in the morning, which also means I have to find time to sleep. So if I end up going to bed at two or three o'clock and I don't get up until 11, I don't want anything to break up my sleep. So by having my phone off through those hours allows me to be free of distraction. I've been doing this now for, I want to say over a year and I love it because again, it allows me the space to not be bothered. The other thing with eliminating distractions is, you know, understanding that it's nothing personal with other people, especially if you're just trying to get stuff done. So if that's changing your workspace, if that's finding a new place to go for like your lunch break and maybe knocking some stuff out, if that's coming in early in the morning. Uh, when I was in higher education, I sometimes go in an hour too early to get stuff knocked out that I just knew I knew I wasn't going to be able to get done during the day. But hey, it worked for me. If it is being able to cut off notifications on your phone, if you're somebody who's constantly looking at those red dots for the iPhone users, you know, that's telling you how many of something you have those bubbles, I cut all the bubbles off. And I have, again, have been like this for over a year. I can't even tell you what made me do it beyond I just didn't want to be bothered one night and I did not want to be disturbed, like literally. And then the do not disturb feature was like, yo, this is popping. So again, eliminate distractions. If that is being on social media, putting on apps on your phone, if you don't have an iPhone, those things that will create the barriers, the time barriers for you to spend time on social media apps or any other app that is not allowing you to focus on what's important. Absolutely think about those things. So for whenever you're trying to get stuff done, make no excuse for why you can't get it done. Knowing you work best and eliminating distractions however best you can. So take time to think about what distracts you, what things bother you and how you can be most productive and then when to make those things happen and cut the rest of those things out. Number three, and I kind of sort of said something about it, but not directly. But number three is time blocking. And I saw, I can't even remember her name right now, but there's a lady on YouTube and you might want to look it up. It's like time block something. Um, but she's like a, a savings hacker, productivity hacker. And something that she mentioned was time blocks. And she put it in perspective of how she does things with her family. As in when, you know, the kids take naps, when she goes grocery shopping, when she has personal time, when she does groceries, period, like the cooking, cleaning, when she does work for herself. And I thought, hmm, this would be really cool. So what a time block is, is throughout the day, there are certain times where you are dedicated to doing that thing or those few tasks within that block. So for me, um, let's just say the 12 to 3 time is typically when I do conference calls, when I am doing interviews. It is really like my relationship building connection time. And I check emails and send those back, those things that I maybe not have got to that morning or I need to follow up more than just once. Um, that 12 to 3 spot is really good for that. 3 to 6 in the past has been errand time for me, time where I'm able to go and have appointments, get a haircut, go get groceries, doing things that I need to do for the household. And I base that off of this is a time when my brain is just not working. <laughs> this is a time when I am not creative. I get sometimes overwhelmed and I need a break. So it also allows me to be able to go while like, I get off of a conference call or if I have one coming in, I can be out. I don't necessarily have to worry about if I'm going to have a call at four or five or six. I can just handle my business. And on the days that I don't have anything to do or go anywhere, 
I take that to work on other projects. So time blocking, look at your day, think about what time you get up and it's not for you to have to do a to-do list and do everything like right then in that three hour span. But let's just say, if for you it's doing emails, you want to spend an hour and a half on that, which probably sounds really crazy. But, uh, you know, if you have, maybe not emails, if you need to get back to social media messages that people may have sent to you, you know, that if you're working by yourself, that's if you are working through a book for a school assignment or you have a class, give everything its designated time and only focus on that one thing or those few things for that block of time and then get back to it tomorrow if you don't finish it. Or if you have another space or block of time that's available, like later in the day, then you can do those things then. But a time block. So if your time blocks are two hour spans, three hour spans, just an hour, that's for you to decide. But look at your life and look at the things, look at the things that you do often and start to say, hey, does this work for me? Even to a point where I would say my my nine to 12 block, because I still get up early. You know, if I go bed early and I get up earlier, about 8.39, depending on the day and depending on how late I was up that night, I made the morning self-care time. And you'd be like, you're doing a lot of self-care. You're right, I am. But really, in terms of like self-care, it's not just about taking a break. It's about knowing how I work best, how I function best, and thinking about things that would allow me to maximize from a space that I am my best self. So saying that to say for time blocks, and I mentioned self-care, this is my workspace. I don't want to be frustrated or overwhelmed. So no, you can't, you know, take this time at 12 o'clock at night. That's my think time. That's my reflection time. That's my journal time. But yeah, but anyway, for the time blocks, a nine and 12 would be like a self-care block. I would review my day. I would not touch the phone for an hour, take the dog out, let him, you know, go do his business, feed him, you know, get myself prepared in terms of meals for the day. Just think about what I wanted, set my intentions. Spending the first three hours in solitude has been incredibly powerful because I don't feel the same overwhelm and rush into my day as I did once upon a time ago. And I know on the days that I don't spend those first three hours just in tune with myself, looking at my goals, working on things, a project that I just need to work on, I am a mess. So time block, 12 to three conference calls, relationship building, three to six, you know, errands kind of thing. And this is just an example. I'm not gonna give you the whole schedule because I don't want y'all to be like, oh, I know what you're doing at this time. And actually those things have changed. So you don't know the blocks, <laughs> but time blocks, y'all time blocks. So number four, I would definitely encourage you to create systems and figure out what those things look like for you that will allow you to maybe free up some of your time. And when I say free up some of your time, some of your mental, emotional space, systems are nothing more than your method for doing something to get it done effectively. So I've already kind of given you like three parts to my system for productivity, right? And we're going to talk about number number five soon. But in the creating systems aspect is when you get up at 6.30, 7 o'clock, 9, 10, noon, whenever you get up, because I know everybody has different work schedules and cycles and, you know, just have different lifestyles. What is it that you can do pretty consistently that will allow you to not have to think or overthink everything in your life. So how can you simplify or how can you create systems such that you know how something needs to be done and it's almost effortless to do it? So the best thing I can think, and again, I just use entrepreneurship as a as my, my go-to, but I can apply to grad school. Actually, I will apply to grad school. So when I was in graduate school, one of my things would be, if I'm working on a research paper, my thing would be to go to the library, 
to my corner on the very top floor <laughs> in the back where nobody was going to be. So I eliminated distractions. I had everything written down that I needed to research and I had my block of time. And I didn't even realize back grad school I was time blocking. But in terms of my system, I would sit down and I would first go through all of my articles and all of my books and journals and I would write everything down on note cards. I would then organize the note cards in a lot of cases and see what my things are, how things were able to synthesize, how I wanted to write stuff down. And then I would typically write an outline. And this was for me writing a paper. So here, here's my system for having written a paper when I was in grad school. I would create an outline. I would write an outline, but my outline wouldn't be bullet points. It would be questions. And my questions would be, you know, what do I want to say in my introduction? What theory do I want to use? What point am I trying to prove? Who said what? And I would just really write out my thoughts first. And once I did that, I would step away and I would come back and I would do one section of things at a time. So I would write, you know, my intro first. Then I'll write, you know, my second part of my paper, third, fourth, fifth. And I did this based off how I organized things. So I didn't read my articles and books in any particular order. I just took from them the information that I needed and start to see the things and where things fit. And I think that this really helped me in terms of being able to think more clearly about what I wanted to say, but I had more of a connection with the work. So if this was quite a process, it was, but graduate school is not an easy feat. So to be able to find what works for you, for me, even going in the late evening and working, because everybody wants to be in the library during the day, but during the evening, like the real OGs and they're getting stuff done. Them and the people who are last minute, <laughs> let me say that. So being able to go to the library and just feel undistracted or to be quiet, to be able to think, to be able to organize and know how my paper would be written before I wrote it, allowed me to be more effective. So that was my system. And that's also how I ended up doing my dissertation in the end. So writing my introduction and I would take really one paragraph at a time to get things done. So thinking about the system that you want, maybe for some of you that's learning how to keep the house and maybe your system is you cook dinner in the morning and here are your things for cooking dinner. You pull it out seven o'clock, you know, you come back during lunch, put it in a crock pot. Like what is it that you can do in your life to be able to make things easy for yourself? Get another system something that I believe that, you know, me and Dr. Hudson do very well and I'm really grateful for it. I throw my clothes in the bin and he organizes them later and he washes clothes. Like, sorry, y'all. I got a great husband. <laughs> so like, sorry for y'all who got to wash your own clothes, but then what's your thing? He knows, you know, well, this is where I need the clothes and this is the day that this is going to be done. And so I know if I have anything lingering around our house, I need to put it in a basket by this day, which is really, you know, awesome for me. And it also helps me to not be so stressed out to have my partner, my, my spouse, you know, to be able to help me in some of those small daily tasks and something as simple as washing clothes, you know, in a trade off for depending on the day, cooking dinner, or washing dishes or just doing other little small things. So very grateful for that. So even if you have a significant other, which is really great, figure out how the two of you can work things out to man your household so that you're not one person is doing everything by themselves. So create systems. And I think that's actually a system that we didn't even try to create. It just kind of happened. So I know what day he's going to wash clothes. And so just with that, I'm just like, all right, that's unless we have a special occasion or we're going out of town, then we may have to do something different. But hey, knowing helps you a lot and creating systems allows you to plan better, which alleviates a lot of stress. And speaking of spouse and, and getting help and all that, I would say number five is easily become my favorite. And number five is let it go. You're like, what you mean, let it go? 
So letting it go means that at some point, learn to outsource things that are beyond you. And letting things go means for you as a graduate student, if there are things you're trying to do, let's say, for example, you're trying to meal prep, you're trying to work out, you're trying to do your papers and you just don't have time to do everything, it may be okay if you can budget it and and work it out well to outsource your meal prep to maybe find an undergraduate student or another graduate student who's trying to make some money. Or, I mean, again, so things you can do to barter. If they're trying to make some money and they do really well at cooking and meal prepping and something they do, get them to prep meals. And if you're really good at editing, something that you can do is barter getting you know meals prepped if you buy the food even in exchange for helping them in terms of editing their paper. So helping each other as graduate students is one thing. Same thing goes for you if you are somebody who's an undergrad, being able to use your resources and say, hey, these are things that I just can't do right now. Do you have the time? Can you do it? And if you have the time to do something that is not time consuming, but that still is very natural for you and bartering with each other to help do things that maybe aren't even strengths for you, let it go. Like don't drive yourself crazy trying to figure stuff out that other people know how to do. That's something I am absolutely learning and it is really helping significantly, but more so for entrepreneurs, since that's a language that I really speak very well these days, or at least I think I speak it well, learning how to take parts of your business and giving them to other people that you can trust and that have the vision for your business that you do. The greatest example I have is with my podcast for over the past year. Oh my gosh, it's been over a year and a half. So what a relationship to have. I started with the podcast editor who's now my podcast manager. But what's the difference? At first, all he was doing was just editing my podcast and sending them to me. Now he, he is in Gino. Shout out to my podcast editor over at Pleasant Podcast. If y'all don't know, now you know. But you should know though if you've been keeping up with this podcast he's definitely been interviewed. He's first gen. But anyway, something that I needed help with is being able to keep up with this podcast, especially when I have heavier travel seasons and I'm not always available to upload my shows or I'm not always free to write notes or I'm trying to create graphics and I've got something else going on. I can't get to it. So by that, having him to manage this big project of mine, to have built that level of trust, the one thing that I don't typically worry about ever is my podcast because I trust that it'll be edited that it'll be, you know, touched up and and spiced up and everything else without me having to worry about doing it all. So while an investment, it was something and is something that's definitely worth the while because I've been able to deliver to you all every week for over a year a show. Whereas when I was doing it all by myself and trying to get my speaking stuff in order, trying to do travel plans, trying to be a wife and dog mom and a daughter and everything else, like you get to think about all the things that you do in your life and everything that you are or everything that you want to be and think about those tasks that you just like kind of just need to let go because they are consuming and they're also draining. So by that, uh, me having an editor, I love the recording part. I love the conversations part. And though I knew how to edit, I also knew that the quality of what I wanted my show to be, I wasn't going to be able to do that, not on my own and not without having to invest more in terms of like taking a class or doing something else. That's just not my thing. So let it go. So to be more productive, learn when to let things go. 
and also figure out, you know, if this is something that you need to pay for, something that you can barter for, because everything that you barter for doesn't also have to be a time thing. Sometimes it can be something as if you can help me edit these papers because I'm not strong in editing, I can drive you to class. And so you got to think about are these things, are you helping each other? And also I would tell you, especially as first gens, it's a great way to build community with others. So let it go. Whatever it is you need to let go. And I'm not just saying let stuff go and be irresponsible. Uh, 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 uh. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying think of ways that you could outsource and think of ways that you can get help. Uh, I used to think all the time that people were bougie for having folks to come and clean their house or come to the house and fix their cars or wash their cars or walk their dogs. And then I learned that there are only 24 hours in the day. And then I learned that, especially as an entrepreneur, uh, sometimes there's just so much going on that you just can't even keep up with your personal life, which again, I didn't understand personal assistance and things of the nature for a long time. But now I absolutely get it. Why people have chefs, personal chefs or meal prep companies. Every every company, every business exists. And I've said this before, it exists because it's solving a problem. So now I laugh because I'm like, uh... I really kind of want somebody to walk my dog because I'm not walking him, but more so because I only want to go outside and walk. I'm going to work on that. But just think about things like bathing him or keeping him overnight or again, washing the car. Can you come to the house and fix the car rather than you go into a shop because of convenience? Just little things, little things. So yeah, so letting things go. So I am super grateful that you have listened to these five productivity hacks that I have to share with you and running them down again. One is writing everything down, write it down, write it down. Number two, do whatever you can to eliminate distractions. Whatever that looks like for you, be good with it. Everybody will be okay. If you're not available, you're just not available. For number three, time block. So figure out if even there's just a certain part of your day where you just want to block off time to do certain things for yourself. Protect that time. Make that your sacred time. Commit to that thing and watch yourself grow. Number four, create systems. So whatever that system looks like, even if it is meal prepping for yourself and that just takes off a load for a week, even if that is, you know, being able to say every morning from seven to seven 45, I'm going to do these four things, figure out what your system are and like rock it out. And number five, let it go, let it go, AKA outsource. So whatever you can do the the share a task to just let it go totally. There's something that you can pay for and invest in that you can afford that is going to make your life easier. I absolutely support you in doing that. But of course I would, right? But to be more productive also means to be more aware of who you are, what you need, and to know what you have going on. And it's a part of getting organized. I know when I am off my rocker completely because everything around me is total chaos and chaos based on the fact that I have not done my productivity hacks. And these are just five. I'm sure there are a million more that we can add to this list. And hey, if you want to, feel free, feel free, hit me up, let me know what you'd add to the list and we can definitely talk about that in one way or another. Or if you feel like there's a part two that you want me to do for this, absolutely, I will because I love you. But yeah, but needless to say, wishing you well in everything that lies ahead. We have two months left in this year. So not only is it Halloween, oh, Hallow's Day. That's funny. I don't know why that's funny to me. I didn't laugh, but I just thought about it. Did I say it right anyway? Okay, whatever. We're going to stick with Halloween. But no, but think about the fact that this is the very last Thursday 
of 2019, October 2019. But we're about to do November, December, y'all. That's it. That's it. So start thinking about what you want for your life for your, as Dipper says, your perfect vision for 2020. And you've got a head start with these five things to help you to be more productive, but also to try to start implementing these things if you should choose to, to start seeing what works for you, what doesn't work, or even, you know, figuring out some things that you would prefer for yourself. But be great in all that you do. And again, just know that I am grateful to have you here always, always and forever. All right. Hug yourself for me later. Before you go, I just want to take the time to say thank you again for tuning in, for being in this space. I really appreciate you. Now, if any part of the show did anything for you, then pass the word. Tell a friend, you know, text, email, DM. Let them know about the First Gen Lounge so we can continue to inspire others that are around us. I want you to come back and kick it again. But in the meantime, keep pressing forward.